Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. One lap to the side, the Firekeepers Casino 400. It's Chris Buescher and Martin Truex Jr. in the duel of the ages. Two car lengths is the advantage. Truex running a little higher, much higher this time than he has for most of the afternoon. Can he find the momentum? He gets a little loose off turn two. It's Buescher by a car lane. And Buescher now immediately drops to the bottom of the back stretch. Truex is with it. It's down to one car length. The battle for the lead and the Busher and Truex, final time into three. Here's Truex trying to find a way through on the bottom. He's going to cut it down to a car length. He cuts it down to a half a car length. Absolute perfection for Chris Busher. He's going to come across the line. He will go back to back. To fight for it and have uh, such a, a hard, clean race there with Truex at the end. Um, you know, I think uh, he, he was really close to getting us there <laughs> at one point and um, just had to keep, keep digging on it. So, um, Really proud of everybody. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you after a very elongated Michigan weekend. Yes, Mother Nature back again. And it took us until Monday to take the checkered flag in the Firekeepers Casino 400. Coming up, we will relive part of Sunday and Monday's events as Chris Busher took RFK Racing back to victory lane for the second time in 2023. We're also going to celebrate the newly announced 2024 NASCAR Hall of Fame class nascar craftsman truck series regular season champion Corey heim joins the show the truck series playoffs begin this weekend we'll look at the entire 10 driver playoff field we'll preview this weekend's racing action at indy and much more but first kyle ricky is here with a check of the latest headlines in nascar kyle Mike, over the weekend's Legacy Motor Club suspended Noah Gregson regarding his behavior on social media. The organization said, quote, his actions do not represent the values of our team, unquote. NASCAR backed up Legacy's stance by indefinitely suspending Gregson as his actions violated the member conduct section of the 2023 NASCAR rulebook. A long-term replacement has yet to be named, but the organization has announced that the road course veteran Mike Rockefeller will 
drive the number 42 Cup car the next two weeks at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course and at Watkins Glen. Shane Van Gisbergen will have a busy weekend in Indianapolis. It was previously announced that the three-time supercar champion will be competing for Trackhouse Racing in the number 91 Chevy Camaro ZL1 as the NASCAR Cup Series takes on the Indy Road Course. Well, Van Gisbergen will attempt to make history once again as he'll make his NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series debut Friday night at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. It will be the driver's debut on a NASCAR Oval as he'll pilot the number 41 Worldwide Express Chevrolet for Nice Motorsports. The New Zealander won his lone NASCAR start July 2nd, claiming the checkers at the inaugural Chicago Street Race. And Arkham Menard Series veteran Greg Van Alst will also be making his NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series debut for Young's Motorsports this weekend at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. The Indiana native will drive the number 20 CB Fabricating Chevrolet Silverado. Van Alst won the ARCA Series opener at Daytona in February. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Chris Buescher made it back-to-back wins on Monday afternoon. We'll listen back to how he did it. Then later, we'll recognize the 2024 Hall of Fame class of NASCAR. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and warning systems for the automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Whelan products are designed, sourced, and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Whelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Yet again, Mother Nature played a role in Sunday's NASCAR Cup Series race as we wrapped up the Firekeepers Casino 400 Monday afternoon in the Irish Hills of Michigan. Despite the interruption, the race had many twists and turns as we near a dramatic conclusion of the regular season. We relive all the action right now with another edition of a NASCAR Live Backtracks. Pace cars hit the pit lane. Joey Acock on top of the flag stand goes green flag in the air, and we are racing in the Irish Hills. Trouble turn two. Kyle Busch is around. Back hard into the outside retaining wall. Everybody scatters to the low line. Kyle trying to lock it down. Harvick dives to the outside to avoid Kyle Busch for the second time in his many laps, having an adventure in turn two. Last time around, he drifted up and just brushed the outside safer barrier on exit. This time around, he was inside a two-wide battle, lost the tail end, looped it, and backed it hard into the fence. Trouble turn two. Chase Elliott loses it all by himself, slams the outside wall, trunk first. A very reminiscent impact to that that just claimed Kyle Busch, but this time it was not two-by-two racing. He was all by himself. The rear end snapped loose, and a hard lick into the safer barrier for the Napa Chevrolet. Off turn number four, looking for stage win number four on the 2023 campaign. Green and white checkered flag from the right hand of Joey Acock is in the air. Martin Truex Jr. picks up the stage win as they come down to the line. William Byron hit the wall coming off turn number four. Byron bounced his car hard off the safer barrier off turn four. Not sure how much damage he's going to have, but Byron absolutely pancaked it. Denny Hamlin right there looking for scraps as well. Bell's got the advantage and he spins. He spins up the bank 
breaking. Oh, what a move by Danny Hamlin to avoid as Christopher Bell pounds the safer barrier on the outside of turn number two. Third car this afternoon to just lose the rear end and back it into the fence. This time battling for the lead, Christopher Bell with heavy damage. Caution on the speedway for the sixth time and unfortunately it is for rain falling here at the Michigan International Speedway over in turns one and two. They say, Dave, what's the latest out there? Yeah, we've got a little bit of a rain uh, beginning to fall here. It uh, started out as a bit of a mist. It's gotten a little bit harder here. They looked things over and the NASCAR officials decided to err on the side of caution a little too much to keep them under the green flag. That's what we needed to hear. Engines come to life on the pit lane. 74 laps complete. 46 to go in stage two. 126 laps remain in the Firekeepers Casino 400. Here they come. Pace car hits the pit lane. They make their way into the Geico restart zone and the green flag goes back in the air. The resumption of the Firekeepers Casino 400 is back. Denny Hamlin has stalled his car. Denny Hamlin has stalled his car. The crew is trying to push it and it is not starting for Denny Hamlin. The car rolls to a stop. Three pit boxes in front of his. Now he pumps the brake on the car. One of our top ten drivers, Denny Hamlin, is stopped right here on pit road. Crew members cannot come further down the road to assist him. We're going to see if Denny can get this car fired up. And as a matter of fact, there it is. Denny Hamlin fires that Mavis tire and brakes Toyota up. And now he's going to grab a gear and get off from pit road. Boy, that was that would cost some time. One more trip around Michigan in stage number two. It's Daniel Suarez, Brad Keselowski, and here comes Truex. Suarez could badly use the 10 stage points, but MTJ is there. He drives easily to the inside of Keselowski. Here he comes on the backstretch. Truex is on the hunt. Here he comes, Mark Truex Jr., right between Keselowski and Suarez. Suarez, the leader, drops to the inside, tries to throw the block. He'll do it, but off the end of the back straightaway. Truex is going to wind it up, fire it in there. He's looking to the outside, and Suarez tries to throw the block. Boy, he is a man among boys here this afternoon. He wants the lead. He wants the stage win. Truex across the line, and by inches, he is going to bypass Daniel Suarez for the stage win. Wow, what a drive, what a race card. Harvick now dances to the outside of Tyler Reddick. He'll grab third. Reddick falls to fourth. Treble back straightaway. Alex Bowman is around. He'll get spun on the back straightaway. Contact into the outside wall. Hood bowed up, spinning to the bottom of the back straightaway. Solo car spin, and it's Alex Bowman coming to grief on the backstretch. Alex Bowman puts us under the caution flag for the ninth time. He did not need this. He was trying to get back into the thick of the playoff picture. He came into the race 42 points down. Tyler Reddick is uh, almost overshot pit road as he locked him up, although he has a right front tire or right rear tire that appears to be down. He's on pit road. Back in once again, that tire going down. He locked it up coming in. They're going to have to go ahead and maybe change all the tires, but they're having a problem getting the lug to go on. Right rear lug will not go on for Tyler Reddick, losing track position, losing time here. This one is devastating for him to have any chance of winning this race today. It is all going to be gone for naught here with that lug. They still can't get the lock in place. Three wide underneath the McDowell machine. Truex on the bottom. Busher in the middle. Close quarters. Oh, Truex gets 
loose. He loses three car lengths as he has to double clutch and save the car. Now Michael McDowell's lap car is trying to find his way back around the Truex car. Truex now will lose five, now six, now seven car lengths in that exchange off turn two. You gotta believe, Alex, that in Busher's ears right now from the spotter, it's like, do not look back. Do not worry about where that 19 car is. Just give me qualifying laps for the next 11 and you'll go to victory lane. Off turn number four, Joey Acock puts the white flag in the air. One lap to decide the Firekeepers Casino 400. It's Chris Busher and Martin Truex Jr. in the duel of the ages. Two car lengths is the advantage. Truex running a little higher, much higher this time than he has for most of the afternoon. Can he find the momentum? He gets a little loose off turn two. It's Busher by a car lane. And Busher now immediately drops to the bottom of the back stretch. Truex is with it. It's down to one car length. The battle for the lead and the win. Busher and Truex final time into three. Here's Truex trying to find a way through on the bottom. He's going to cut it down to a car length. He cuts it down to a half a car length. Absolute perfection for Chris Busher. He's going to come across the line. He will go back to back. Chris Busher won a week ago. He backs it up with a win here at the Michigan International Speedway. Back to back for Chris. Back to back for RFK. Coming up, the 2024 NASCAR Hall of Fame class was announced last week. We'll highlight each of the careers of the latest inductees. Then later, NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series regular season champion Corey Heim joins us. From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Last Wednesday, the 2024 NASCAR Hall of Fame class was announced. Donnie Allison, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad Knauss will be enshrined into the Hall of Fame in January. Our Susie Armstrong joins us now to reflect upon the career achievements that led each to this moment. Last Wednesday afternoon, Donnie Allison, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad Knauss secured their places in NASCAR history. Allison Johnson and Knauss' achievements in NASCAR will forever be recognized as they were named to the 2024 NASCAR Hall of Fame class. Allison, a member of the famed Alabama gang, has been an ambassador for the sport for more than 50 years. Like his older brother Bobby, Allison started his racing career behind the wheel of Modifieds until working his way to the highest level of stock car competition. Allison would capture Rookie of the Year honors in 1967, leading to his partnership with NASCAR Hall of Famer Banjo Matthews. During a career that spanned from 1966 to 1988, Allison won 10 times on the Cup Series. His most famous stretch came in 1970, when Allison won three races, including the Coca-Cola 600. Allison made NASCAR history by following up his trip to victory lane in Charlotte with a fourth-place finish in the Indianapolis 500. To this day, that stands as the best combined finish in the two-race crossover. 
Allison was also a part of one of NASCAR's seminal moments. Following the conclusion of the 1979 Daytona 500, he and Cale Yarborough duked it out in the infield after an intense battle for the lead ended with both drivers wrecked, a moment that was captured by a national audience for the first time in NASCAR history. Jackie yep. over in turn three. We interrupt for a moment. Cale and Donnie both out of the cars. Bobby Allison has brought his car down there. A furious discussion taking place just down below the banks of turn number three. And now it appears we may have a fist fight. We see drivers and helmets, safety officials trying to jump in there and separate them as tempers have really flared after this amazing incident on the final lap coming into turn number three. They, come, they battle on the ground at this time and we can't see as others come running in to surround and try to separate those drivers. Jimmy Johnson's illustrious career provides him acclaim for the greatest of all time. Through various championships and three generations of race cars, you could always count on finding Johnson in victory lane and on the NASCAR Cup Series championship stage. Johnson, who was recently named to NASCAR's 75 Greatest Drivers, is tied with the King, Richard Petty, and Dale Earnhardt for the most Cup Series championships in series history, with seven. His first, in 2006, began his NASCAR record five-year run of consecutive titles. There's nothing like that sound. I've worked on uh, this team as well. We've worked for the last five years to put this team in this position. Rick Hendrick has given us all the tools that we needed, and Hendrick Motorsports um, has worked their butts off to give us this opportunity. To thank all of them, uh, Chevrolet, um, I just, hey, the feeling is overwhelming right now. Uh, we, we've all worked so hard and long for this, to, to have it be here. It's my first championship in quite some time, um, and then to be able to win at this level is uh, just the ultimate thing. Overall, Johnson has 83 wins at 20 different racetracks, including multiple victories in every NASCAR Crown Jewel event. Johnson has two Daytona 500 championships, winning his first during the 2006 championship season. Battle's going to be for second for the moment. Casey Mears and Ryan Newman. Jimmy Johnson looks in the rearview mirror. Trouble further back. Greg Biffle goes around, but Jimmy Johnson is headed to victory lane. Jimmy Johnson off turn four, comes into the triumphal with plenty of breathing room. They're battling it out for second. Jimmy Johnson's going to win the 48th Daytona 500. I, I can't believe it. I am so proud of this race team. Obviously, it's been a tough start for us to get started here in the 2006 season, but for these guys to step up as they have during Grub filling in as crew chief, the team rallying. I had new responsibilities. We had a great Lowe's Monte Carlo. Um, everything was there. And, and once once I got towards the front at the end of the race, I knew we were in good shape in those closing laps. Um, I had a feeling Casey Mears, my good friend, was going to play a part in the victory, and I, I'm glad he did. Johnson also holds four wins in the Brickyard 400, Coca-Cola 600, and the NASCAR All-Star Race. Johnson is also a two-time Southern 500 champion most recently in 2012, when he brought home the 200th victory for Hendrick Motorsports. Jimmy Johnson off turn number two, six, seven car lengths in hand. He's got half a lap before he hits the victory lane. Race fans now waving their hats wildly on the back straightaway. Johnson comes back to turn number three. Off turn number four, looking for the checkered flag of the Southern 500. It's been a long time in the making, but finally Jimmy Johnson gets it done, scoring the 200th Fred Cup win for Hendrick Motorsports. Tonight, winning the Bojangles Southern 500. Chad, congratulations, win number 200 for Hendrick Motorsports and a Southern 500. Oh, I'll tell you what, what a, man, I'll tell you what, if you want to come to a race, you come to Darlington. This is an exciting event. Uh, Jimmy had to do a really, Jimmy did a great job driving all day, obviously. The car was super fast, couldn't be proud of everybody on this Cobalt Lowe's team. 
but having to save fuel there at the end and all that was uh, was pretty stressful. It's just an honor to be able to get 200 victories for Hendrick Motorsports. We were fortunate enough to get the 150th as well in Las Vegas, so this is this is nice. Congratulations. Atop the pit box for all seven of Johnson's championship seasons was his crew chief, Chad Knaus. While it's possible that Johnson is the greatest driver of all time, the same can be said that Knaus is the greatest crew chief of all time. Knaus began his career of guiding drivers to victory lane as a teenager, helping his father to multiple track championships. Knaus's start in NASCAR came at Hendrick Motorsports, where he worked as an assistant in the body shop, learning under Hall of Famer Ray Everham as part of Jeff Gordon's Rainbow Warriors. Knaus eventually would earn the honor to crew chief for a rookie driver in 2002, as Hendrick started a fourth team. That rookie? Jimmy Johnson. Knaus and Johnson combined for a championship one final time in 2016. Jimmy Johnson trying to make history and win the championship for the seventh time. He's in turn number one. Johnson rockets to the bottom of the racetrack. Kyle Larson trying to rally speed in the outside lane, but it's not there. Off turn number two. It's Jimmy Johnson with the lead. Here they come off the end of the back straightaway for the final time here in Homestead. It's Jimmy Johnson with the lead and a walk-off for the ages as he hits the main straightaway. They've been fighting adversity all weekend long. They've come through every one of the problems, and they come home victorious. Jimmy Johnson wins at Homestead and scores on history-making seventh championship, tying the late Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty. I'm pretty speechless right now. It's It's been an awesome, awesome journey. It's been a, a very trying season, obviously. We've had a lot of good things. We've had some, some difficulty along the way, but you know, to be able to be where we're at here today with, with Lowe's, one team, one driver, one crew chief, one sponsor, and be able to win all seven championships like that, I think is just awesome. So uh, I, I can't thank everybody at Hendrick Motorsports and Chevrolet uh, enough, all of our other corporate partners, um, and the guys and gals at HMS. They've just they've worked so hard and buckled down so much midway through the season to be able to give us race cars like we needed to have to be able to compete, and, and it definitely showed. We got three wins in the second half of the season. That's awesome. Paired with Johnson, Knauss won 81 races over 19 seasons and only trails Dale Inman and Leonard Wood for all-time wins by a crew chief. The trio will be enshrined early next year in Charlotte, where from that point on, now and forever, they will truly be NASCAR legends. Thank you, Susie. Coming up, Corey Heim joins us. Then later, we lay out the 2023 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoff field. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Two weeks ago, Corey Heim wrapped up the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series regular season championship. He, along with the rest of the Truck Series playoff field, is now set, and they now shift their focus to a seven-race battle for a series title. Our Chris Wilner caught up with Heim at Truck Playoff Media Days to discuss his championship and the pursuit for the series sweep. 
Corey Heim, 2023 regular season champion. Now that it's been a couple weeks, how does that sound? And, and, and how rewarding is that now as we get ready to go for the final seven races of the year? Yeah, it uh, certainly sounds great. I hope to take the regular part of it out and just be a champion here soon. But um, no, certainly, you know, blow our expectations out of the water for this year, I feel like. Um, coming into the year, I was pretty unsure of where we stood as far as our speed and um, just as an organization where we would stand. But uh, it's been nothing but a an uphill climb for us. I feel like we've been really solid these past two or three months. And um, it's really cool to see our consistency get better and better um, as the year goes on. And I feel like we're to the point now where if we don't win races we're kind of below expectations to to start the year it certainly wasn't that way so it's been uh, it's been a good uphill climb for us what has it been about your transition to the truck series obviously limited schedule with kbm and then you go into this full-time season and it's like you've been doing this for three or four years i mean it just seems like you've adjusted so well and obviously two wins again this season so what has it been like well how are you been able to adjust to the truck so easily and obviously you know get rewarded with obviously running now as a regular season champion yeah, I feel like my preparation over the past couple of years has gotten a lot better and just being able to go to the racetracks that a lot of other drivers have plenty of experience on and just kind of, you know, have my first impressions on it and really get used to those tracks have been, uh, you know, key for me in the past couple of years, such as uh, some of the veterans in the NASCAR truck series, I feel like I've just been so experienced with these racetracks and it's hard to beat those guys and they've got so many laps on them but last year was a growth year for me just getting experience in those racetracks and then uh this year you know i knew i was capable as a driver to to win races and now that i know i have a good team under me i feel like it's a good combination if we were in the month of march we'd be talking about march madness and one seed versus two seed and what and whatnot but you are the one seed going into the postseason so does that carry any weight with it do you feel like you are the favorite going in or, or do you try to take this as a full reset we've got seven races in a season to win a championship yeah i mean it's certainly a reset i feel like the playoff points help a little bit but you have one bad race and you're kind of back down to earth so um you know i definitely don't rely on that i don't feel like there are true seeds i mean just like march madness if you you know if you're the one seed and you lose to the 64 seed you're out so uh if you're not on top of it and you don't do well um it's definitely tough so um I do feel like we we should be the favorites. I mean, we've been consistently the best truck over the past couple of months, but that really doesn't mean anything if you don't go out and perform for the rest of the year. So we've got to do just that. We go to IRP to kick off the postseason, a short track that I know a lot, including yourself, have experience at even getting up through the ARCA ranks into the truck series. Do you like this as an opening playoff track for you guys? feel like maybe you can just go ahead and check that box as a winner and and not have the stress uh, going to Kansas later? I feel like we can. I don't think it's... um a track that I'm extremely confident in as a driver, but that's why I prepare and that's why I, you know, I'm going through development. So um, it's tough to prepare for a place that not a lot of people have been to, including myself, but um, I probably have one more race under my belt than most people do there. So uh, the truck series race there last year that I was able to do really helped me with that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, but um, I certainly think it's going to be a tough race, uh, very track position and tire dependent. So I feel like we're, if we're in the right place at the right time, we'll be, we'll be in a really good spot. And you mentioned preparation. I know you're part of the TRD program and it have been for quite some time. How resourceful is that program as far as giving you guys the tools that you need to prepare for these tracks, whether it's your first time or hundredth time, but at the same time getting that sim experience and things like that. I mean, do you feel like that gives you a little bit of a leg uh, being a part of a program that develops you as a racer? 
Yeah, 100%. I feel like without the sim over the past couple of years, being a part of the TRD program, uh, definitely not be in the same position as a driver that I'm in right now, um, experience-wise, and just as far as being uh, in a full-time truck as well. So uh, my development has really relied on the, on the simulator and just being able to be around such experienced people as well at the TRD program. So um, I definitely think it's going to be vital for the playoffs as well just because we rely on them so heavily so um it should be a, a great tool for me and i hope to continue with that aside from your personal preparation do you lean on anybody for advice especially when we go playoff racing whether it's people in your camp or, or drivers in another series but do you lean on anybody for advice about how to mentally pr- approach these seven races yeah i think i look back at some of the racetracks that certain drivers have succeeded on in the past and try to reach out to them and lean on them to kind of just get a couple tips and tricks going into the weekend but um i think my crew chief scott tibadelli has been a huge resource for me just from the past experience that he's had with championship winning drivers and championship contention drivers uh he's been through all the emotions and all the all the successes and failures of the playoffs so um i think he is knowledgeable as far as that goes and i really think he's a, a good person to lean on for sure how big is not getting yourself in a hole these first races or two? You know, when you look at IRP and Milwaukee uh, to lessen the pressure of Kansas. I mean, we hear drivers talk about all the time, don't shoot yourself in the foot, don't make mistakes. But at the same time, you want to go out and win the race. So how do you manage that as we go to IRP this weekend? Yeah, I feel like if you put yourself in a hole, it just makes everything more stressful and it definitely, um, definitely doesn't help. So I feel like as long as we have been we keep doing what we've been doing, I should say, um, these past couple of months uh, leading into the playoffs. I feel like we'll be in pretty good shape. Uh, we've been getting good stage points and putting ourselves in really good positions. So, um, you know, Kansas being the only repeat track is definitely tough uh, because you never really know what you're going to have at, at said racetrack. But um, RP was, was an okay racetrack for me last year, and uh, Scott and his guys were really fast with their truck last year as well. So um, as long as I go unprepared and I, you know, do everything I need to during the week to prepare myself well i think we'll be just fine now you've got teammates out on the racetrack but when you look at the playoffs you're the lone toyota in this does that pose a struggle especially when we get to places like talladega where you're looking for manufacturer help and teammate help that you're kind of on an island when it when it comes to especially racing against those 10 guys yeah people ask me that a lot really but honestly i mean we're still racing on the same racetrack so if they need to help me at, at talladega or something like that they still can and i feel like you know the fact that i'm not racing any other Toyota that's trying to make the championship for might actually be a benefit in a way to to me personally um, of course it'd always be nice to see more Tundras in the playoffs but um, you know I feel like since we're all still on the same racetrack we'll we'll still be you know racing the same race and they can help me if need be what would a championship mean for you at this point in your young career I mean we all forget how young you still are but what would a championship mean yeah I mean it it means everything winning's everything and I feel like you know a championship is really um, gonna put me on the map if, if need be and um i feel like i've worked hard enough to be able to get to that point and i feel like just to take a deep breath after it's said and done and say that that's paid off is going to be really huge for me thanks chris coming up we take you through each of the 10 nascar craftsman truck series drivers then later we'll preview the nascar cup series racing action this weekend in indy the spirit of performance is what defines acura and now it's electric Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. 
This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series gets underway on Friday night as the Playoff 10 take on Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Here's Susie Armstrong. This week, as NASCAR heads to Indianapolis, the pressure and intensity cranks up a notch as 10 drivers in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series begin their journey towards a championship. Pacing the pack into the playoffs was Corey Heim of Tricon Garage. In his first full-time season of competition, Heim knows that success throughout the year isn't enough to win a championship. Yeah, the main thing is just closing races out. Um, there's been a couple instances this year where we've led the most laps, had the best truck, and I feel like we've kind of faded at the end. You know, as an organization, we've been working on our longer runs and how to improve that on a weekly basis. But as a driver, I think I also have to get better, too, on just keeping the tires on it, maybe, and just pacing myself into the end of the race just to put ourselves in a better position come like 10 laps ago. So that's definitely a good question. Um, I definitely feel like that's our, our main, if we have a weak point, I feel like that's our weak point right now is just finishing races out. But nonetheless, I feel like, you know, if anything, that's it. I might have won the regular season title, but it is Carson Hosevar who enters the postseason with the most wins on the year. He started dead last. He will finish up front. Off four. Final time. Checkered flag is in the air and Carson Hosevar has won for the third time in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Picking up the win tonight in his own sponsor's name. The Worldwide Express 250. Hosevar is going to victory lane. Someone who has been close to matching that number is Christian Eckes, who is looking to earn his third win of the season. Eckes, along with the rest of our playoff contingent, start the postseason with a visit to Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. One year ago, after an 11-year hiatus, the track delivered an exciting return as this driver took home the checkers. In a remarkable turn of events at Indianapolis Raceway Park, Grand Enfinger capitalizes. They're crashing in the back of the pack as Grand Enfinger comes to the line, takes the checkered flag, and strikes first in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoff. Grant Enfinger will win the T-Sport 200 and automatically advance to the round of eight. Enfinger is back in the playoffs once again for GMS Racing and heads into postseason contention with two wins on the year. The following week, the series will visit the Milwaukee Mile for the first time since 2009. The only playoff driver with experience at the circuit is Matt Crafton, who barely made the cutoff. In nine starts at the Oval, Crafton's best finish was second. One driver who would love to win at the track is Wisconsin native Ty Majeski. I've had a lot of supporters, sponsors, family, friends in the area, of course, that really helped me get my start in, in late model racing and were supporters of me from the beginning. And to be able to race close to home and have a lot of those people at a truck event that, you know, they usually aren't able to go to just because, you know, usually the, the truck races are far away and this one's local. So we're going to have a, a lot of people that like I said, have supported me that are, that are going to have the opportunity to go. And uh, it would be so special to uh, be able to bring all those people down into victory lane and, and share that with them. Majeski currently sits sixth in the point standings and is still searching for his first victory of 2023. The third and final race of the round of 10 is Kansas Speedway, a place the series has visited once already this season as Grant Enfinger claimed the checkered flag. After the conclusion of that event, only eight drivers will advance to the next 
next round. So execution during the first three postseason events is critical. And a man who knows a thing or two about that is 2021 series champ Ben Rhodes. You know, the goal is to not make mistakes at all, all the way through. But there is, you know, the ability to have a mulligan, but you don't think of it that way. You just know that if you make a mistake, you're done for. And that's the way I approach it. And, you know, the last two races, I'd say there was mistakes that were made by me on our current schedule. And I'm just telling everybody, I'm telling my team, I said, thanks for the patience. Sorry about it. But they're gone now. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen no more. Mistakes are out of the way and we can just focus on the playoffs and know that uh, we've got to be 100%. Rhodes nearly won another championship last year with a second place finish in the season finale at Phoenix Raceway. The round of eight consists of three different disciplines of racing. It starts with a short track and a visit to the last great Coliseum. In his 40th career start, no time better than now to get his first career win. Ty Majeski wins the UNOH 200 at the Bristol Motor Speedway. He will race for a championship at Phoenix in November. We then head south to Talladega Super Speedway, a wild card race where the unexpected plays out time and time again. A driver that will attempt to navigate the chaos is rookie Nick Sanchez. Even though he has yet to win a truck series event in his short career, Sanchez does know how to tame the super speedway. The 22-year-old claimed the checkers last season when the Arca Series made its visit to the 2.66-mile track. But Sanchez isn't the only playoff competitor looking to replicate his previous success at Talladega. It's official. It is going to be Matt DiBenedetto as the winner here at Talladega, and he just heard it, and he lights the rear tires. Matt DiBenedetto has been scored the winner of the Chevy Silverado 250 at Talladega. DiBenedetto's win last season did not allow him to compete for a championship as Matty D is making his postseason debut. And closing out the round of eight is a visit to Homestead, Miami. Ty Majeski was winless in his career at this level until Bristol. Here he comes up off turn number four. He'll see the checkered flag come out, and Ty Majeski scores the win in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series Baptist Health Cancer Cure 200 at Homestead Miami Speedway. When we leave South Beach, four drivers will have one thing on their minds, and that's winning a title, a position defending series champion Zane Smith has been in before. Besides winning the championship, I feel like it's in a way a big weight off my shoulders uh, that we were able to get that. But then again, I, I feel like my time in the truck series, or hopefully so, is coming to an end. And, and so that puts another weight on my shoulders of where I really want to walk off into the sunset with back-to-back championships. And that'll just be really special. So that's where our head is at. But I just felt like the consistency that we had throughout the playoff run, and even with the mistakes that I had, in a couple of the races. So hopefully clean up those mistakes and, and have even a cleaner run. There is one thing that Smith and the nine other drivers in the playoffs have in common. They all have the same goal. What is that goal? Well, they all want to be part of history. And the best way to do that is by winning a NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series championship. Thank you, Susie. Coming up, we preview a pressure-packed weekend ahead in Indianapolis. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. Three races remain in the NASCAR Cup Series regular season, and the pressure to make the 16-driver playoff field ramps up. This weekend begins the first of two races on road courses. As the Cup Series heads to Indianapolis, our Kyle Ricky is here to break down the racing action ahead. Winning at Michigan as part of back-to-back victories is becoming something of a regularity now, as on Monday, Chris Buescher joined the ranks of Kevin Harvick and Ryan Blaney to do it in recent years. This coming weekend, Buescher will try to pull off the ultra-rare three-peat at an entirely different style of racetrack. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course is what's up next. While last year, Busher ended up in the highlights at the Brickyard for the wrong reasons, he's excited to get back to Indy this weekend. Road course racing has been a lot of fun, and uh, we've been very competitive at them. Fast race course make make me look too good at those kinds of places because it is um, it's not my background, but it's a uh, track that we had um, fantastic speed at was Indy last year. Both of us were very fast in the race. I think you had a fast lap of the race. So, you know, it's definitely one that we're looking at. Um, obviously, lap one led to our highlight reel and being on fire and all that nonsense last year. So, um, yeah, we're definitely trying to uh, to pay attention um, to that one. While it is going to be hard to bet against Busher given his recent results, one of his competitors has his eyes on a different favorite. That competitor is Kyle Busch. The Richard Childress racing driver says the returning Shane Van Gisbergen should be the favorite to win in Indianapolis after his win on the Chicago street course. I would say he's the favorite going in, for sure. Um, I would say that the gap will be closer from Chicago to the rest of the field that he had. He had us all beat by probably six to eight tenths of a second a lap. I would say going into Indy, we should all be within you know two or three tenths, but he'll still be the best guy. SVG won't be the only Australian supercar driver heading to the States this week. Brody Kostecki will also be a part of the star-studded field in a third RCR entry. Bush had the chance to test with the supercar's point leader earlier this year, and he's excited to have him as a teammate this weekend. We tested together, actually, our V8 supercar that we have at RCR, at VIR, earlier this year. So uh, when we first went out, I think he had me covered by about two seconds. And then as the day kind of progressed, and by the end of the day, I actually ran times that were real comparable and and right on top of his. So, you know, I I think that those guys are all very good at what they do and really understand the the heavy stock car feel and and basis for these road courses. And so I, I would assume that he'll be strong as well, you know, and hopefully I can lean on him and learn a lot from him and have some time in the sim and stuff like that with him that um, will allow us to, to be better off when we get there as well, better prepared. Chase Elliott shares Bush's excitement to have drivers like Van Gisbergen and Kostecki in the field, saying that racing drivers like that push him to get better. I hope all those guys come and, and run more races because I think it just makes, it'll make us better you know, at the end of the day. So uh, that, that's super cool and I'm glad to, that, glad to hear that he got another opportunity. I mean, 
guy went and won the race. He deserves to race however much he wants, but I think that's great, and I'm looking forward to having him. Looking forward to racing with him again, as I alluded to up in Chicago. I thought I thought his drive was not only impressive, but very classy. You didn't see him running over people. He didn't run over people to go win the race. You know, I, I thought he did it, did it the right way, and, and um, you know, that is uh, very admirable, and I think people like that deserve, deserve great opportunities. So, looking forward to having him back um, and racing against both those guys. A name that should be up there in terms of odds with the ringers in the field should be A.J. Allmendinger, who won this race two years ago and needs a good run this weekend. After two subpar finishes have dropped him to 19th in the championship standings. If Allmendinger is celebrating again on Sunday, he will have mastered one of the most unique courses on the circuit. It's just really flat. The only real banking you have is kind of in between one and two when you go up there on the oval and you're not up there for that long. So just the, the racetrack being so flat, trying to get that mechanical grip in the race car, but still have a, a good platform in it is a difficult challenge. You know, last year with this car, uh, I just remember it being real sensitive to trying to get lateral grip in the car, but not having it completely fall over. I mean, there there's one time I got loose and, and got off on, I think it was turn four, got in the gravel. I thought I had a flat tire and I got back on the racetrack. They said, no, car's fine. So um, just trying to get that, that right balance of just platform of the race car, but trying to get mechanical grip in it because there is no banking or anything in any of the first two editions of this race have been chaotic restarts, especially heading into turn one. In hopes of curbing some of the calamity, NASCAR has moved the restart zone off the front stretch. Christopher Bell thinks that this move will help some, but cup drivers always seem to find their way into chaos. Yeah, I think it'll be better. I, I still wish that we would go single file, um, but I don't think that's on the horizon so you know it's going to be um less chaotic for sure but i think the opportunity is still going to be there so uh, we'll just have to pay a lot of attention to the xfinity race and see how it goes and then uh yeah i mean the, the cup guys will figure out a way <laughs> one driver who took advantage of those chaotic restarts in 2022 is todd gilliland his fourth place finish here last year is the best of his Cup Series career. The second generation driver has developed into a solid road racer and gives a lot of credit for that to his teammate, Michael McDowell. Yeah, I'm excited about, you know, the upcoming road courses. I think that's definitely our stronger suit when we go to the racetrack here at Front Row. And I give a lot of that credit to Michael McDowell. I think he just has us in a good spot, you know, as far as setup wise, you know, breaking, just having like the fundamental things right when we go to a road course is, is honestly really huge so I think he does a really good job with that as far as getting our simulator right and, and all the tools right that way we can prepare as good as possible when we get to the racetrack is another thing I think Ford does a really good job about that and, and I think you know all the upcoming road courses can be really strong with us it's it's funny I never really grew up road course racing but always really, really enjoyed them since I started doing them. On Sunday evening just one driver will be kissing the brakes in celebration of winning at one of the sport's most iconic tracks 82 laps and 200 miles stand between one of the most star-studded fields of the year and that privilege. Thank you, Kyle. That preview brought to you by Whelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, we'll flash back to the 2003 Kroger 200. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. 
the hint for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, let's step once again into the MRN time machine and take you back 20 years to the 2003 Kroger 200. Riggs is our points leader in the Bush Series. Digging down low now off of turn four. Racing David Green, nose to nose. They are wheel to wheel. Riggs has to back out of the throttle as Green almost slammed the door on him into turn one. David Green works the outside. Scott Riggs down on the bottom of the racetrack. They are door handle to door handle off of turn number two. A little bit of a wiggle out of the Scott Riggs board as they race into turn number three. David Green gives him room down on the bottom. Five laps to go now for Scott Riggs in the GMAC Chevrolet as he works off turn number two. No lap traffic, no pursuers. Vickers is on his way. He'll look for four to go this time as they work into turn number four. Brian Vickers with all the real estate, all the open asphalt he needs to the line. Four laps to go for Brian Vickers. 19 years of age for Brian Vickers, and this would be his very first Bush win. What has to be going through the mind of that young man, he has a couple of second-place finishes, but never a win. He motors his way down the backstretch. 20 car lengths in front of him and 20 behind him before you see anybody else out there. Brian Vickers running that shade line that he likes so well and he keeps to drive away from the field. Jason Keller has broken away from the remainder of that pack. He runs now alone in second. They are side by side for third. Scott Wimmer to the inside on Shane Meal. They bump a bit. They rub a bit in corner number one. Meal on the outside. Wimmer on the inside off two. Shane Meal a pretty good run off of the corner. He leaves some room there for Scott Wimmer but Wimmer's got to get in behind him to move around some lap traffic. Two more laps to go for Brian Vickers as he crosses the stripe. Jason Keller maintains that second spot. Fight is still a good one for third as Wimmer got a little bit loose coming off of turn four. He looks to get back to the inside of Shane Meal off of turn two. Wimmer going to dive down to the bottom of the racetrack. Meal on the outside. Meal wiggles a bit that time. Going to open the door now for Scott Wimmer. Wimmer tries to take advantage of three. They get together. Both of them spin. Both into the wall. Meal continues on. Everybody else evasive maneuvers now as Scott continue on his car. Both drivers continue. The white flag is out and Brian Vickers is a half a lap away. In a turn number three, they will talk about this win and this race for a long time to come. In his 47th career Bush Series start, 19-year-old Brian Vickers wins the Kroger 200. Oh, what a night at IRP. I would like to thank Corey Heim for joining us this week. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we'd like to thank you as well. We'll talk to you on NASCAR Live Wide Open. You can download it on Thursday and right back here on Tuesday, 7 p.m. for another edition of NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.